everybody, and welcome back to another boring to attitude edition of AWI Pod. I got lost in my words. It's another edition of boring to attitude. This is it's a historic episode because it is the thirtieth episode of boring to attitude. I'm your host, Brent Piles, and of course, with me as always is a man who is uh, who lives across the sea and is from the future. He is the bar rolling disco dancer. I am much stretching into continental playboy. Folks, he's moreover than scoring a goal in the 86 minutes to take down Manchester City. It's G.A. Russell, like Glenn Abbott, Glenn, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yes, that was pretty... You had an excellent few days, didn't you, of sporting? I, I had no losses for sporting in, my, yeah, in English football or American football. I'm 3-0 last week. Excellent. Yeah, that was, that was a nerve-wracking game, to say the least. It certainly was. I didn't hold out much hope for him, so perhaps perhaps when I'm pessimistic, it, it, it bodes well. Yeah, pessim- pessimism is usually the best way to go. Plus, <laughs> I, I had good, good friend in the mayor cheered me up by saying that he hadn't bet on them. <laughs> yeah. Which is always funny what he said. He said you hadn't bet on them. And he said, no wonder we're not getting bashed. <laughs> Which is really funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, especially at the beginning of the match, uh, they looked very shaky, and I didn't feel very good about it at all. But uh, they started to pull it together after about like fifteen minutes in. So uh, yeah, it was strange. City didn't take their chances when they had them, and we got a bit of luck for a change. Sometimes, sometimes the ball hits somebody's head just right and goes into their goal. And that's the way it worked out for us, Glenn. That is the way it worked out for us. Um, anything else you want to talk about or get into w- w- within wrestling of current nature before we talk about this episode of Raw is War? Excuse me. Yeah, because we, we covered everything from last week, didn't we, sir? And I believe There's... you and I are the co-champions, aren't we? We are. So I thought... We are. Um. And I've not been able to watch any this week, so. I watched the first uh, probably 90 minutes of Raw last night, and then I went to bed early because I was tired. Um, yeah. And from what I saw, it was pretty damn good. But, but I didn't see the last hour. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping to. I mean, I have enough on my phone to be able to hook up to watch NXT tonight, though. Oh. Salivating at that NXT card, it's going to be something else. Yeah, they're even rumoring the Undertaker turning up. Don't well, those gongs I keep hearing, he's got to be showing up, right? Yeah, I imagine Cody Rhodes' this thing will be announcing the uh, you know, Dusty Rhodes classic tag team tournament. Oh, of course, yes, but I can also see like getting a wrinkle thrown in there now because he is you know a tag team champion right now. I don't know yeah. why I did that with air quotes because he is the tag team champion. He's not quote unquote the tag team champion. He is the tag team champion. Um, and maybe they'll open it up to all. Like it won't just be NXT. It'll be all tag teams across all the brands. And then if you win, you don't get just an NXT tag team championship match. You get like a a tag team championship match against Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso. I think that might be another wrinkle they might add in. I think they should make it a rule that when you do post match. Press conference that <laughs> so you should drink a bottle of your favorite tipple before you go out there and do it. That was so amazingly entertaining from those two. 
Oh my god, I died. I died laughing watching that. And then people are like, oh, they shouldn't be doing that, blah, blah. Get, get the fuck out of here. They're fucking, they're up there having a good time. What's wrong with what they did? Did they say anything inappropriate? No, they're up there having a good time. Who cares? Yeah. They're grown adults. They're not driving anywhere. It's fine. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Well, Cody's got a bus, so Cody ain't driving anywhere. No, no, no. <laughs> maybe like Jay Crash. She'll let Jay Crash on the bus that night, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, God, I, I laughed so hard watching those two. That was amazing. That was great, yeah. But anyway, Glenn, let's do it. Let's talk about it. It's Raw's War, Glenn. It's June 9th, 1997. We are at the Hartford Civic Center in Hartford, Connecticut. Glenn, do you want to know um, what pay-per-views have been held at this very arena? I think one of them is going to shock you. Maybe it won't, but maybe you will. Here on the Hartford Civic Center, what pay-per-view do you think took place here? Thanks to the esteemed referee, Mike Crockett. I know quite a bit about the Harpers. Oh, you're right. I forgot about that. But yeah, let me fill me in with it all. So uh, the 1990 Survivor Series took place here, which is one of my favorite Survivor Series, only because it's the appearance of the Gobbledygooker. So that's my favorite. And, of course, The Undertaker um, debuted that night. Also, if I told you this building held a WrestleMania, Glenn, would you believe me? Yes. Okay, because they held WrestleMania 11. Mm-hmm. That's the one where uh, Bam Bam Bigelow faced uh, Lawrence Taylor. Yeah. Yeah, it also had No Way Out 2000, uh, Vengeance 2004, and Money in the Bank 2019 was the most recent pay-per-view that took place at this arena. And just out of playing curiosity, I want to see what the main event of the... What do you think the main event of Money in the Bank 2019 was? Money in the Bank Oh, I don't know. Would it be Roman against somebody? So, no. The current champions at the time were Kofi Kingston, who defended against uh, Kevin oh. Owens, and Seth Rollins defended against AJ Styles. So probably good I remember this match because it literally, before the match finished, I literally got really sh- fucking pissed off and turned the pay-per-view completely off and thought to <laughs> stop re- watching wrestling, but I only lasted like two weeks doing that. Uh, Brock Lesnar came out at the very end to win the Money in the Bank briefcase, defeating Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, Ali, oh. Finn Balor, Andrade, and Randy Orton. And as soon as Brock Lesnar's music hit, I went, done, and turned the whole pay-per-view yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. it was that one. See, I never know. I, um, my brain doesn't work like yours. I can pick out bits of stuff. But I can't say that was from that WrestleMania or that was from from that show, that show, and what went on. So, like the big shows I can remember, like SummerSlam, WrestleMania, and you know stuff like that. But like random Money in the Bank, I had no idea what the main event of that was. I had to look it up. (laughs) (laughs) I just remember being very pissed when Brock Lesnar came (laughs) out there and won that fucking Money in the Bank. I'm like, why does he need to win Money in the Bank? It's so stupid. Yeah, I know you're pretty good at Royal Rumbles as well. Yeah, ro- yeah, Royal Rumble, like the main was Survivor Series, like those early Survivor Series. I can't tell you who was in the main event because there's fucking ten guys in there, so I have no yeah. idea. <laughs> and they had random teams as well. Yeah, like I can tell you, Hulk Hogan's team probably faced Andre the Giant's team in '88. Who was on the team? Yeah. I have no idea. No, <laughs> I have no idea. So yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, rich history here at the Hartford Civic Center in Hartford, Connecticut. It's now known as the XL Arena. Apparently, 
Yeah. And of course, so, uh, the show opens. I was going to say, such an esteemed venue deserves such an esteemed opening. Are you? Do you mean like what Vince McMahon was saying? No, no, I meant yeah. about the first match. Oh, uh, so like, it's funny. Like the pyro goes off, the music's playing, the lights are going, people are going crazy. Vince McMahon, the fans are here. They're screaming. They brought yeah. their signs. They brought their grandmothers. <laughs> did they? <laughs> Why did they bring their grandmothers? And he'd been out trawling the, the crowd to see how many grandmothers were out there. <laughs> I can see Vince McMahon like, can I get all the grandmas in the house to raise their hands, please? I'd like to see all the grannies. <laughs> It was so weird. They brought their grandmas. Why? Uh, yeah, but so the first match that Glenn's referring to is uh, LOD and Ahmed Johnson, of course, with this ever and never ending battle with the Nation of Domination. Thank God it's coming to an end. At least they use this one as a bit of storytelling. They did, uh, definitely. So as you'll remember from our last week's review of King of the Ring 1997, there's some dissension amongst the ranks here um, in the Nation of Domination. They were kind of bickering with each other even before the match even got started on the outside of the ring. They were kind of jawing at each other. Um, so you could kind of tell the tension was getting high. Uh, it's basically, you know, Hawk and Animal and Alama Johnson really dominated the better portion of this match, like almost all of it. Yeah, you could tell right from the start there was Salvio there not wanting to do the uh, the nation salute, which brought some looks for Mohammed. Uh, not from Ahmed, from uh, Farouk. Yeah. So, yeah, basically the, the, the match goes back and forth. Farouk gets in the ring, LD and, and Ahmed, like I said, they really beat them up. The nation starts fighting with each other outside the ring. They're pushing and shoving. The nation crush and Savio end up just leaving. They just walk out on Farouk and just go to the back. And then, you know, he gets the beat down from LOD and then Ahmed Johnson. Johnson's a pearl for punch for the one, two, three. And so Farouk's pissed, of course, because the Nation of Domination members just left him. So uh, that's going to play on <laughs> later on the show. Yeah. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened there. I just disappeared for a minute. <laughs> oh. I was fucking so caught in my zone of reading what I wrote down, I didn't even notice. So that's no, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Continuity, that's the way to keep it. That's how we do it. So then they let us know that tonight, Glenn, finally, they promised us tonight we are going to get Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Brian Pillman because we didn't get it at King of the Ring. We are going to get it tonight, Glenn, I swear. We promise tonight yeah. it's going to happen. It's going to happen, I'm telling you. Um, <laughs> you know what? Why not, Glenn? You know, just think he's gone. Sorry? Just when we think Sid's gone, he ain't gone. He's not gone. Yeah. It's amazing, that. Shame it is actually his last appearance tonight. I I don't know, Glenn. I don't trust it. I think he's going to show up on our own next week. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's going to take on Owen Hart. And we're also going to get a European Championship match, which we haven't got a European Championship match, and I don't know how long. Can you? No. No, I think the last one was actually Davey against Owen. Yeah, I think you're right. That's when this whole Heart Foundation thing restarted, isn't it? Yeah. And that was months ago. It was. It was about 25 episodes ago. 
That's right. <laughs> That's right, Glenn. Uh, they also let us know that we're about to get an interview with the king himself, the new king, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Uh, he's got a new crown with him, Glenn. I was interested to see what he was going to do so he didn't have to put it on. Yeah. Vince goes in and on, in and on about this whole, you know, why did you have to pedigree him on the announce table and why did China have to get involved and why this and why all that. And Glenn, I got a little video of this pretty good promo by Triple X. I'm going to play for us right here. So let's Excellent. Yes. You know, and I know, this should have happened then. I should have been the king of the ring a year ago. But because of you and your politics, I never got my shot, did I? No, I didn't. Why? Because of your games, because of your politics. What I did last night was take my destiny, my career, into my hands. Out of your hands because you couldn't get the job done. It's my turn. And nobody in the WWF, not Ahmed Johnson, not Mankind, not Shawn Michaels, not Stone Cold Steve Austin, not even you, not even you, McMahon, is ever going to stand in my way again. This ring is now my house. Hunter Hurst Helmsley's backyard, my home. Mm. Well, there you have it. Not quite as fluid as the Triple H to come, but get in there. Yeah, definitely got more of more of the Triple H promo feel that you're going to get as opposed to when he was just a you know a blue blood. You know what I mean? Uh, bringing that thing up again that uh, oh Vince is not just a commentator. Yeah, pulling back to that guy. They even talk about like. You know the your politics and the backstage stuff because they're referring to obviously the curtain call because yeah. Triple H was supposed to win you know in 1996 but because of the curtain call they pulled him back and so he ends up winning in 97 so kind of pulling back the curtain a lot on that promo right there. They did, they did. We, then we get mankind up on the screen and he says he would love to enter his house of pain um, and he wants a rematch and then uh, Hunter asked China what she thinks and I mean it's the first time I heard China speak, isn't it? Yep, it is. And then we get the moment of the show. She says uh, that China says that she thinks that uh, mankind should come down to the ring and kiss her ass. And the the moment of the show, mankind says, "Well, good news for you. I'm a good kisser." Amazing. <laughs> 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 I, I laughed so hard when he said that, and I'm laughing about that and thinking about this. <laughs> So Mankind, of course, being the good, the, the nice man that he is and the good kisser, he heads on down to the ring to kiss China's ass, I guess. Uh, yeah. He's doing a lot of the bang-bang thing. He was doing it all the way down here. Uh, King of the Ring. Hunter, of course, starts beating the shit out of him with the crown just to make sure that he doesn't have to put it on. Okay. <laughs> he, he did that at the end of the King of the Ring, and he's done it again now. Make sure you don't have to put it on by beating Foley with it. <laughs> I mean, pretty smart, if you ask me. That's pretty fucking smart. Yeah, cheese. Uh, yeah, he then leaves the ring, and then as he's walking up the ramp, mankind takes the smashed uh, crown on and kind of puts it on his head, which is, you know, silly. Okay. <laughs> but hilarious at the same time. Glenn, 
Sadly, yeah, sadly, no sunny squirts this week. <laughs> I guess that series is over. Yeah, she's flogging t-shirts. Yeah, um, WWF Raw is war t-shirts. Um, mm-hmm. And then, Glenn, because we haven't got a European Championship match in 100 years, they they, they fill us in on the, the long history and lineage of the, the European Championship, which I don't even think it's been around a year yet, has it? Exactly. No, but we're we're what we're into June now, and this was back in the winter when the, the last time he defended the. That is a good three or four, good four or five months ago. Yeah, it had to be like just after WrestleMania, right? Yeah. So we're looking at March. So yeah, <laughs> your ninety days would be up. You would have to forfeit the title at that point, British Bulldog. Your name ain't Brock Lesnar, anyway. Um. <laughs> So Bulldog versus Goldust for the European Championship match um, is up next. They inform us that the Bulldog's making his way to the ring here that his wife, Diana Hart, was named Miss Calgary over the weekend. This is huge news. Mrs. Calgary. Mrs. Calgary. I'm sorry. My bad. My bad. (laughs) The the Miss bit has floated. That that boat has well floated away. Yeah, that boat, that ship has has sailed. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant to say. So, uh, two pretty decent, pretty good wrestlers here in this match. Glenn, what do you think about this one? Checking my phone here, and this says that this is the first European title defense on Raw. I couldn't be right because he he defended it against Owen on Raw. No, that was a pay per view. You sure? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was on Raw, but maybe you're right. Anyway, maybe you're right. It, it, whoever did the notes on this may mean that it's the first one, Aurora is War. That could be. That That's definitely the case, because they just started doing this Raw is War thing. Yeah. It says that uh, McMahon, McMahon hypes it as a big deal. Now, suggest that the booking team realized that it made little sense for Bulldog to have a title that was never defended on television. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even like, I remember him carrying it to the ring with him. I remember him having the tag titles. Or I, maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe he was carrying it. I just didn't, don't remember seeing it. But like, if you had told me that, that he was the European champion, I would have went, what the fuck's the European champion? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a typical sort of methodical ploddy match from these two. Davey works better when he's up against somebody that will throw himself at him and sell for him, which is not gold dust. Yeah, no, that's not really gold dust forte. Yeah, so Bulldogs, you know, take control early. Gold dust fights back. It's it's an uppercut, a big clothesline. Bulldog almost hits the running power slam on Goldust, but Goldust is able to counter with the DDT. He gets a three count, but unfortunately, Bulldog's foot's on the rope, so the match for three started. And then we got a, a long chin lock. Yes. That was one of those where it wasn't a good chin lock. Yeah, it wasn't very tight. No. And there wasn't, you know, it was just a basic rest hold. There was there was no sort of anything of interest apart from a man holding another man's chin. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what was happening. 
Uh, Goldilocks hits like a flying body press, and they both go tumble the outside of the ring. They start to fight on the outside. They end up both getting counted out. Uh, Bulldog throws uh, Goldust into the ring steps, and he does it a couple times. He's going to hit him again, I think, with a chair or something. So Marlena slaps him, not once, but tw- twice. Um, <laughs> so Bulldog decides, well, if you're going to slap me in the face, then I'm just going to beat your husband some more and throws him into the ring. <laughs> But then a knight in shining armor comes out, Glenn, doesn't yeah. he? Ken Shamrock turns up. Which is a good thing. Because at least it gives the, the Heart Foundation something different to do. And it gives Ken Shamrock something different to do if he's feuding with them. True. Yeah, yeah. And it's a good way to get uh, Shamrock over as a babyface with the crowd because they hate the heart so much. Now that's it. by you know by proxy. Now we're going to love Ken Shamrock even more than we already do. And it's good to see that Dave is keeping up his run, like he was when he was tag champ, of never ever actually getting a clean win, being <laughs> out or <laughs> disqualified to get yeah. the win. We hate for that to happen, Glenn, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they kind of square off in the ring, and, yeah, that's going to be the next week. And they got that five-on-five tag team match coming up, so obviously Shane Mark's going to be involved in that. Um, so, yeah, but as we're going to commercial break, when they're telling us that something is going on in the Nation of Domination's locker room before they go to yeah. commercial break. So who's better to send there than the intrepid reporter Doc Hendricks? That's right. Don't call me Michael PSA. His Doc Hendricks goes in that goes to find out what's going on. He tells us uh, that, that he can hear you can hear yelling and screaming going on back there. And then Farouk comes storming out. And he tells him, I, "I got something to say, and I'm going to the ring to say it." Um, and then a brave, very brave Doc Hendricks decides to just go into the Nation of Domination's locker room, uh, which he finds Crush at first, who isn't very diplomatic and looks like he wants to murder him. Uh, but luckily for Doc Hendricks, Savio Vega was in there to stop him and start screaming in Spanish, which confused everyone, I think, including Crush. And that's why he didn't hurt him. Because Crush, Crush looked crazy-eyed, didn't he? Yep. And then so it contradicts everything. He's going to come up in a minute by saying, the nation is fine. <laughs> yeah. The nation is absolutely fine. Um, we then go right to the ring. Farouk's in the ring. He starts to talk about how when he brought the nation domination, he brought people together to watch his back at all costs. He talks about how he pulled Savio Vega from a field where he was picking peppers. <laughs> no ratio. Sure Savio Vega was wrest- wrestling in WWF before Farouk, but okay. <laughs> no racial stereotyping there, then. Oh, he said jalapeno peppers, too. I forgot about that. He actually <laughs> specified jalapeno peppers. Oh, dear. And then all he did was stab him in the back. He then fires Savio Vega from the nation of domination. He says, Crush wasn't doing anything in WWE until he joined the nation. And he stabbed Farouk in the back. So he's fired, too. And he says, there's one more person that needs to go. And it looks like D'Lo's like, oh, no, it's going to be me. It's going to be me. And he says, D'Lo. Hold the ropes open for Clarence. And Clarence Mason's out of here, too. So they're all going except for D'Lo Brown. Uh, they have a nation of two now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how nation is going to be so domination with only two members. But he tells Glenn that next week he's going to see the newer, better nation, and he wants the Undertaker and Ahmed Johnson to be the first new, new members the nation takes out. And he challenges them to a match next week 
because the Undertaker and Ahmed Johnson are certainly on the same page right now. <laughs> oh, of course. And he can't think of anybody else that he wants to fight. I mean, I would have been like, I want the first people that my new nation to take out the old men. Yeah, he seems to be obsessed with Undertaker and Army Johnson. He certainly uh, nurtures a, a grievance, doesn't he? Forgive and forget. Ahmed's been going on since we started this show. And take since a defense. Before. before, yeah. And see, and we're here. Um, Taker was his last opponent. Beat him at the pay per view to keep his keep his title, and he's still seething after these two. Rather than going, you know, if you're going to have a, if you're going to have yourself and a new member, or two new members of the nation, surely you want to teach Crush and Savio Vega a lesson rather than Undertaker. Or Bloody Army Johnson. Yeah. You think I'm going to bring in two new members and I want them to face Savio Vega and Crush next week. And, you know, Savio yeah. Vega and Crush are going to be like, yeah, of course, because, you know, they're mad because you just threw them out of the nation. So it mm -hmm. makes sense. They then show us somebody we haven't seen in a while, a while, which is the wild man, Mark Merrill, and he's talking to Sable backstage. And they look like they were having a happy conversation. Like, <laughs> yeah. He looked like he was giving her the business a bit. He was a bit, wasn't he? I think he was. I like <laughs> can't blame him. Yeah. Uh, so then we see the one and only Paul Heyman, a young, very stilt Paul Heyman, making his way to ringside with, uh, not, not making his way, he's making his way through his fans. And he's got Tommy Dreamer with him. And then Glenn, we get the self-proclaimed most exciting tag team in the WWF. Before that, though, just before that, we get an advert for the biggest waste of time and money that anybody could ever spend. And this is only for all the, all the kids that have disobeyed their parents and used the 1-900-737-4-WWF. Because, you know, They've not even made this one interesting. It's to find out what is going on between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Well, we know what's going on. They hate each other. <laughs> Don't need to ring a pre a, a premium phone line to find that out. They probably updated us on the backstage fight between Shawn Michaels and, and Bret Hart. <laughs> Bret Hart pulled out a bunch of his hair and then Jim Cornette saved it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway, we'll get Paul Heyman and Tommy Dreamer. Shane walking through the crowd. And then we get the, the meaningless tag match of the night. Which is the headbangers against Doug Furness and Phil LaFron. What do you mean, Glenn? They're the most exciting tag team in the WF, Doug Furness and Phil LaFron. Well, yeah. They were when they were fighting against the Bulls. British Bulldog and Owen Hart. Oh, God, don't remind me. <laughs> don't take me back. Well, yeah, they're facing the headbangers. Um, it wasn't a bad match between teams no, with two very different styles. 
It's just that it was that let's throw a tag match in there. No reason, rhyme or reason. It was very mean. The whole of this show. Yeah. The whole of this show is built round on building things. Apart from this meaningless tag match. Right. And I don't know what team I don't know which team you're trying to trying to do anything with here because they're, like they're trying to give some sort of weird heel gimmick to Furnace and Lafon and it's not working because nobody cares. No. And the headbangers aren't exactly an over, really overface team, are they, sir? Not quite, no, definitely not. Um yeah, so the headbangers end up getting the win after um Moss is going for a pen after a slam, but Furnace tries to come off the top rope, but Mosh moves. He lands on his partner and then uh, then he pins a furnace and the headbanger to get the win here. So uh, a tough break for the most exciting tag team in the WWF. Yeah, and then, you know, that, it's that thing about you know, this gimmick that they've got as a, the most exciting team in the history of WWF. So you give them a loss on one pin. You, you know how to give them a loss, but you make them look stupid as well in a loss. I think those guys coming out here being uh, extremely boring and calling themselves the, the most exciting tag team in the WF is pretty fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> That's really stupid. Uh, we then hear from uh, Jerry Lawler and RVD. RVD, of course, runs down Paul Heyman's. He can't believe that they let Tommy Dreamer and him into the building. He says if they get into the, involved in the RVD match, there's going to be hell today. <laughs> What a stir. Then, of course, they're going to recap everything that's happened so far because we're wrestling fans and we don't remember. And then we restart the show. And then Stone Cold Steve Austin makes his way out to the ring. Huge Mm -hmm. pop from the crowd, of course. Yeah. Before that, they show a clip of the infamous gun incident between Pillman and Austin. As you say, just in case anybody's forgotten about it. (laughs) Yeah. I. A tease. Yeah. Of course, we're going to get that at the end of the show, aren't we? We're absolutely going to get. Yeah, we promise that Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Brian Pillman is absolutely going to happen tonight. You remember, Glenn? Uh, you remember months ago they would never do bait and switches on Monday Night Raw. Remember? This is, this is exactly what I was about to say. I was going to say Vince reminded us a few a few months ago that they'd never ever do a bait and switch. Not on this channel, Glenn. Absolutely not. Absolutely not, they wouldn't. Uh, Vince asked Austin if he about beating up Brian Pillman, sticking his head in the toilet bowl the night before. He asked him if he's proud of that. Austin says, hell yeah, I'm proud of that. It brings a smile to my face. The only thing that would have brought a bigger smile to my face would have been if that toilet bowl was filled up with some other substances. <laughs> and he said, I think you know what I mean. <laughs> you can see even back then. This is real the start. Of, of Austin pushing, seeing how far he could push Vince. Yeah, and even like before he started talking, like before he started talking, he said something. He said some words to Vince before they mm. even like got into it. And you get yeah. like, like Vince did not like like what he said to him. So even before he started talking, he said something to him that he didn't like. It's like he's got a big stick and he's out there prodding the bear. Just, just <laughs> thank God he did. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, that's a good telling to look forward to because he started running that bear. 
Yeah, that worked out. Uh, and it's when, when I go back and watch it now. As a kid, when I would watch, when I mean, as a teenager, when I would watch it, I'd be like, "Why does Why does Vince McMahon hate Stone Cold Steve Austin so much?" And now you watch it back, and you're like, "Oh, oh, that's right." <laughs> he said, "Like, yes, I understand." <laughs> um, I noticed the other day that they put up nineties um, WWE or the the yeah. Uh, X page for them. Put up there it was 25 years ago last week the, the bedpan incident. I thought, oh, yes, that's coming up soon. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> see, I used to think that was cool to see, like, oh, this happened five years ago. But when it's 25 years ago, going, that kind of hurts. Yeah, it does a bit, doesn't it? It makes you feel old. Like, oh, fuck, man. <laughs> 25 years ago. Oh, <laughs> man. Um, he asked him about his match with Brian Pillman tonight. Uh, you know, he he said last night he crushed Brian Pillman's face in the toilet, but here tonight he's going to kick his his ass here live and in color. And ain't nothing anyone can do about it. He then asked him about the Heart the Heart Foundation's ten man tag challenge at In Your House Canadian Stampede, and Austin says, of course, he'll be the first one to volunteer for that job. Mm-hmm. He says even if he doesn't have four people with him, he's going to stampede every one of the Hearts' asses. Yeah. <laughs> And you actually believe him, though. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't argue with him. (laughs) The way he's carried on, you know, you believe that he would. And then, like, you think think that's the best it can get? No, it gets better. He then says he'll beat up the whole family if he's got to, including Stu. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then we get an interesting piece. That, well, I thought it was interesting. Uh, where they use, where they're always going on about trending on Twitter now. Anything from an AOL website telling everybody how great King of the Ring was. Yeah, so they, Twitter, they had, yeah they had messages through AOL. Yeah. I think. If anybody out there doesn't remember America Online, it was like the only way you could get online and they would have chat rooms and shit. This is fucking early, 1997. And one of those fans called King of Ring one of the best pay-per-views ever. And that person had some good drugs because (laughs) the pay-per-view sucked. That's not what we watched. It was totally different. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you were doing that day, but it was not good. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, mm. uh, next up, when we get two guys who were probably familiar with each other, but one of them wasn't Mr. Monday Night, and the other one wasn't Flash Crunk the last time we saw him. No, yeah, Rob Van Dam against <laughs> Two Cold Scorpio. Yep, it's this thing that Jerry Lawler's got it in for ECW, and he's, he's poached Rob Van Dam. Um, ECW don't like him having matches on WWF television, but Lord is going to go ahead with it anyway. Yeah, Lawler also, of course, joins commentary. We've already got, as we mentioned, Paul Heyman and Tommy Dream are sitting ringside as well. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, Lawler is kind of talking like this during this, and I think they're trying to like sell. Whatever happened with him with mankind and the mandible claw, and so I think that's why he was trying to like have like a raspy voice. I mean, yeah. he was 
to maybe he was you know had a raspy voice from screaming at a flag football game. I'm not sure that could be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, but this is you know, considering how normally WWE and WWF officials have trouble handling any minor skirmish that they managed to hold back Tommy Dreamer armed with a chair trying to attack Rob Brandam as he made his entrance. Yeah, that was one strong security guard, man. It was. It was. You know, where is he when other times where people are just running over all these melee of people? I guess he, he, they must have just hired this guy or something. Yeah, you got ECW and we'll hire you for the night. <laughs> they got to get somebody bigger. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the match was fine. I mean, there was a lot of high-flying stuff in this match. There was at one point where, like, RVD did, like, a, a, a jump over the top rope, and he completely missed Scorpio, though, then just went splat on the ground. Yeah. It's, it's, it's strange with poor old Flash Funk. That they don't seem to know what to do with him. He's not had a meaningful match with anybody in God knows how long. Well, since the Funkettes left him. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of any... Like, the only thing that sticks out to me is when he debuted at the 1996 Survivor Series, and I was like, oh, this guy's cool. He's going to yeah. be something. And then, nothing. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> mid like, Mid-card mediocrity for you. Yeah, and, like, I expected this match to be better because I figured these guys had good chemistry, but it was a bit sloppy. It was a bit, yeah. They tried to both, both were trying to bounce around, and they, they weren't interested in bouncing, really. Yeah, it it didn't really it didn't really mesh. Eventually, RBD wins it with a split leg moonsault. Paul then jumps the rail and goes after Jerry the King Lawler, which brings Dreamer over the rail. They all start brawling. All four men. Uh, apparently, they must have got past that tough security guard. He was uh, he only he was on an hourly rate, Glenn. In his hourly. Yeah, rate. yeah, yeah. He's on his tea break by that time. Yeah. Yeah. So there are a bunch of referees try to break them up, and that's basically how the segment ends. I I don't know if. If we missed it in here, but if, I think they might have showed it during this match or before the match, where like Jerry Lawler had showed up at a ECW show and attacked Tommy Dreamer or something like that. All right. So yeah, I know that took place. I don't know if that was recently, if that was after this, but I, I remember that happening. Uh huh. And then uh, Ken Shamrock comes down to the ring for commentary with Jim Ross and Vince McMahon, and we're going to get Owen Hart. Taking on Psycho Ascend. Owen Hart, of course, comes to the ring with his brother-in-law, Jim the Angel Nightheart. Um, again, a huge, huge reaction for Sid. There was a guy in the front row that said, had Sid is the man written on his chest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a shame. I, don't, I can't understand why they let him go. I know we've got the car accident coming up, which left him out of wrestling for a long while. But I think WWF will let him go by then. Yeah, I want to say you're right. Maybe he just wasn't happy because I know there was, you know, a couple weeks ago and he didn't want to put over the Undertaker. Mm. And I, I think if you go to the arena and that you you're set that you don't want to put over the Undertaker, I just at that point, do you give a fuck about your job? <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I'll do some in 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 depth investigation into that for uh, I don't know shit. That's right. You check. You be on the lookout for that because that's coming. We'll get more in depth into the 
injuries from car accidents, and Psycho said, Glenn will get his medical records. No, he won't. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He <laughs> will not do that. Um, I've showed him online. <laughs> Owen, of course, attacks Sid from behind to start the match. Owen's like choking Sid with his own vest. I, Glenn, did you see the clever sign in the crowd? Yep. Sid is God. Nope, it's better than that. That guy, that guy that put up the Sid is God painted on his chest. He's that's not what it was. Sid is God. That's what it was. There was another fan in the crowd who had a sign that said Sid, rock, squeegee, or scissors. <laughs> <laughs> and sir, I don't know your name, but the man who was at the Hartford, Connecticut, Monday Night Raw on June 9th, 1997, you are the newest member of the AWI Pod Hall of Fame. You deserve it. You're in. Congratulations, sir. Because that is top notch right there. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, tell me what you thought about this one. It had a lot, of, a lot to do with more to do with Ken Shamrock than did Sid. Oh yeah, yeah. Owen trying to do his best, as Owen always does. But as you say, the 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 whole thing was about Ken Shamrock. It wasn't about Sid. Yeah, because as the match is going, of course, Jim Nightheart keeps getting involved. And as Jim Nightheart keeps getting involved, Shamrock keeps going on about how people shouldn't be getting involved in other people's matches and that shouldn't be allowed. Um, eventually, he, he gets so pissed off that he starts... Um, well, I'm sorry. So Owen, Owen starts working on the knees of Sid. Of course, he goes for a sharpshooter, but Sid just literally takes both of his feet and just kicks Owen off of him, just kicks him right off. Uh Owen then hit a drop, top rope drop kick, but then Sid uh, sends it all the way to the outside. Uh, Night Nightheart starts beating on Sid again. He picks him up, drops him across the guardrail, which gets Shamrock up from his commentary position. He gives a nice belly-to-belly -belly suplex on the floor to Jim Nightheart. <laughs> Sid then hits a chokeslam on Owen Hart and gets the three count, which was a surprise to me. I didn't think Sid was going to win this one. Yeah, it was a... No, it was a, it was a non-title match i'm betting that that was the this is the, the last stipulation that they couldn't turn down there you know here's your uh good luck in for in, in future endeavors uh if you're going to release me then i want one more match on raw and i'm going to win it Yes, that makes sense. I guess I more expect like a smash finish than a win by. Yeah. And of season. course, uh, uh, Vince or nobody backstage is going to go, mm, no, nah, I don't think so, Sid. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, so yeah, Sid and Shamrock uh, shake hands as they hold the Heart Foundation. So I, I Sid and Shamrock can be held a tag team coming up. Though, I think. It could have been, yeah. They're going to be called Psycho Shamrock. Yeah. <laughs> Like that would have been a good feud with Sid and Shamrock against the Heart Foundation. It really would have. I assume that before Sid was let go, he definitely was going to be one of the guys who was involved in that five-man yeah. tag match, but uh, it just didn't work out that way. They also oh. show us like some footage from Shotgun Saturday Night where Stone Cold Steve Austin and uh, Pillman got into a little bit of a brawl because, as you know, Glenn, tonight's tonight. They're going to face each other in the main event. They're having a night. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh, okay. uh, then we get another ad for, for the Raw is War t-shirt. 
from this time from Sable. But at least this time, this ties in with the whole thing we was saying about the whole of this episode is about telling stories. Yeah. And you see Mark Merrow in a go at her earlier on. Then she comes out and she do, you know, she's there to, to shield a T-shirt, uh, does a sexy dance, and out comes Mark Merrow, covers her up and drags her off. Yeah. So there's a tension building between those two. Yeah, so it's we're starting to get like that uh the start of the heel turn from old Mark Merrill here. Yeah. And then after that, Glenn, we get into the third and final part of the very riveting Mankind series. And uh I got a little three minute clip from that uh Good. That we are going to watch here because, as you know, it's very fucking good and we need to see it. So let's have a look here. Have you ever been uh, treated or have you ever been uh, diagnosed with a multiple personality disorder? You know, I, I thought we, we talked about this when I said I don't believe in doctors. I believe in the body's ability to heal itself. If there's something wrong with my mind, I think I'd be the first one to know. Don't you think that it's about time in your life where you looked squarely in the mirror and accepted the personal responsibility for who you are? Don't you believe that you yourself have caused and brought on all these problems? think it's time for you to maybe start doing your damn job. I think it's time for you to end this facade of journalistic integrity. You know what you tell the people week in and week out? You say, look at mankind. I don't even know if he feels pain or well, maybe, maybe he likes pain. You see, you're a powerful man, Jimmy. You have got the ability to reach a lot of people, to spread the truth, and you neglect to do it. Let me ask you a couple of questions. What is it about pain that I love? You see, I feel just like every other person. You see that? It hurts. Is it when I can't get up, when my little boy says, Daddy, I want to play ball, and I can't do it? Is that where the fun starts? Is it where a doctor injects a 12-inch needle into the discs in my spine so I can wrestle one more day? Whoopee! Let the party begin! I can't believe you sit here and ask me those questions. Do I bring it on to myself? I haven't done a damn thing to you. All you've done to people is mislead them and let them think that I'm having the time of my goddamn life when I'm in pain. Don't you look at me with that smug look. You make me sick, a man of integrity. I want to smack you. Ha, 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 ha.
He's gonna need some help. <laughs> That's my favorite part. Oh, when he first does it, you hear somebody scream, and then that guy goes running. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, excellent. Great heel turn. But all it does is make him more popular. I was gonna say, but yeah, the only thing that did is make people like him more. <laughs> <laughs> Just made people like it more, but yeah, no, that that's got to be one of the best. Like, that, that, all of that was so good. All those, all those fans that felt the urge to punch Jr. in his sanctimonious face, getting some joy out of that. <laughs> that's true. That is true, Glenn. Uh, speaking of sanctimonious joy, Glenn, you know what time it is. It's oh, time. <laughs> Hit it! Exactly. And again, at least there's a point to this match. True. This is putting the full stop, the punctuation mark on the smoking guns, which is ironic because on Friday night we watched, or Saturday, we watched their opening <laughs> debut promo. It's funny how AWI, AWI pod really comes full circle, isn't it, Glenn? It is. It is. All in space of a few days. Yeah, we watched the beginning and the end of, of the of the guns in four days. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad way to watch them, though. You know what? You know who tore the guns apart? You know who's really to blame for this? Who? It was Sonny. Sonny did it. They oh, were cool. Not until yeah. Sonny came in the picture. Yeah, that is very true. That could be said about a lot of things, though. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's another podcast. Um, <laughs> Rockabilly uh, attacks Bart when he's joined with the Honky Tonk Man. They 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 say that Honky Tonk Man told Billy he's never going to be as great as he can be unless he solves this thing with his brother. So, like you said, Glenn, at least there's a point to this. Yeah, it's the first Rockabilly match to have a point in his entire Rockabilly career, so that's good. Yeah, and basically, it's a two minute. Whatever it is, two minutes fifty three squash match. Yeah, uh, this is what it needed to be. It didn't need to be a long draw out. They're throwing each other all over the place. No, yeah, you're you're right. Definitely, it was what it was. Rockabilly wins with a swinging neck breaker. Finally, we'll shed the. Do you the mind that's the shake rattle and roll? <laughs> what is that? That's a shake rattle and roll. Is that what? Oh, well, it looks yeah. like. Whatever. It's swinging that break. That's what they, yeah, that, that was what Honky called it. So. I thought it was always a DDT that he did. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm. That was a long time ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Thank, thankfully. 
Yeah, so then Glenn, you know, here we go. Coming up next, Glenn. Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to take, take yeah. on his former tag team partner, his longtime nemesis, the man whose ankle he broke, the man whose house he broke into, the man who almost shot him in the face in his living room, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, then they show like, the, the, you know, the hearts kind of whispering and having a meeting in the back, and then they run the cameraman off. Um, those pesky cameramen. Yeah. Like, <laughs> So, Steve Austin comes down to the ring. Never gets there. <laughs> nope. Gets attacked by the Heart Foundation. Now, who makes a save at this point? The man we've just seen shoving a mandible claw and trying to kill JR. <laughs> In fairness, Glenn, he gave him some solid advice to just breathe, and he told people he's going to need some help. So Yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> that's so, not something a heel would do, Glenn. <laughs> so we built up all night that Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to work, going to wrestle Brian Pillman. And as we said, Vince, on many occasions back in the early days, was going on about the old bait and switch. So what they do, they not just pull one, but they pull two bait and switches on us, and it's mankind against Brian Pillman. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Brian Pillman, I mean, the match was good. I mean, it was probably the best match on the show. The match wasn't bad at all. The trouble yeah. with the match was is the crowd had gotten so, 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 so worked up for Austin against Pillman that Mankind stepping in the breach at the last minute sort of knocks it flat. I mean, it definitely did for me, because I, I definitely believe that we were going to get Austin versus Pillman. Yeah, and the, crowd, and the crowd just, the whole, all the life was totally sucked out. That crowd that was really up for the star and for Sid and everything else, that wasn't a bad crowd until this match. And then it seemed like the whole their life had been sucked out of them because they didn't get what was advertised. And maybe there was like a situation where Austin had like some sort of light injury or something or a sprained ankle yeah. from after Shawn Michaels and he couldn't wrestle. Um, I don't know. Because I know that Pillman versus Austin is listed on the match list for next week's Raw. So it does happen next week. So we are going to get to see it. All right. <laughs> Like if they were gonna do this, they should have done it for like the opening match of the show. They should have and then go from there. But yeah, so at least had at least had Austin attacked early and incapacitate him. Yeah, that would have worked. That would have worked better too. They start fighting uh, on the ramp. Mankind starts rubbing fucking Brian Pillman's face into the ramp, and then Brian Pillman backdrops Mankind on the ramp. Because I think Mankind was like, every match I'm getting backdropped on that steel ramp just because of the sound it makes. Yeah. Um, yeah, but as you say, it was an all right match. But then, of course, um, the Heart Foundation get involved, get DQ, Mankind wins by DQ, and then, of course, the one bit of this the continuing the story is Ken Shamrock gets involved. And and Austin too, like Austin kind of limps his way back down to the ring. Yeah. 
and then uh, Shamrock comes down there. They chase the hearts off, and then of course Austin starts yammering back and forth with Shamrock, and then hits Shamrock with the stunner because that's what he does. And then Austin rolls out of the ring and, and walks off, and that's pretty much how this one goes off the air. It is. And everybody so, walks out. At least having seen Austin at the end, standing tall. Yeah, definitely. Not the ideal way of doing it, but at least he was standing tall at the end. And the, like, while, like, um, I didn't, like, there wasn't any really great matches on this show, there was only one real throwaway match, which was the Headbangers, yeah. which was Doug Curtis and Phil LaFon. <laughs> Everything else had a story built in. Story so. to it. Yeah, they, was, they built some stories here. And it bodes well for the ongoing weeks. Definitely, definitely. I'm gonna give. The, I'm still gonna give the two thumbs up just because I, I'm, I'm only giving it one. You know, see, that's because you disagree. I think because of the uh, yeah, just because of the ending. The bait and switch could have been done better without it being a total bait and switch. I don't, maybe so. The mankind Pillman match was only five minutes. The longest yeah. match on this thing was 7.30. Which one do you think got the longest? Which one do you think was the longest on this match? show? Uh, Davey Boy and... You got it. The incident... Uh, European... Yeah, you got it. That's the one. That was 7 minutes and 30 seconds. The longest match on the show. So. Okay. I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was a, 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 a mostly entertaining show. Maybe I just had such a bad taste in my mouth from King of the Ring, you may set the bar low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. That's all from episode 30 of Warring to Attitude. Glenn, what do we need to plug? Who do we need to plug before we get out of here? Uh, the Unbook in the Territory guy is the first and last. They're doing a, the, 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 the last bit this week of uh, uh, a, th a project that they started, then realized it would have to, it would be going on for months. So yeah, they it would be like a 10 hour show, yeah. <laughs> yeah abandoned it, and they've just put out three small segments of it. Um, DDT, DC, and Doc. Andy's back with the bang bang. Um, and his old partner, Steve, apparently, is going to be turning up more regularly on that again. Uh, who else have I got there? Who have I forgotten? The Doctor Who podcast with Danny Anson. Yeah, they're, uh, they're recording series five, I think it is at the moment. And I've got myself reserved on a place on a, a series six. So we'll see how that goes. Who knows oh, what that... happened with, with by that time, Glenn? We could be living on the moon by then. <laughs> yeah, could be. I'm just kidding. Probably not. Uh, <laughs> make sure you give our buddy Thomas Bryce a follow on all the social media things that you got. 2017 on X or Twitter, whatever you call it nowadays. It's 2020 on Instagram. Uh, make sure you always check out the. I don't know shit the life of times of psycho said we are gonna have episode six coming out here this week. Sid will be joining the four horsemen, so that'll be fun. And then of course this week, Glenn, it's a big week for AWI Pod Worldwide. We've been looking, we've been building this up for over you know a month here. 
We are going to watch Halloween Havoc 1991, and the opening match is the Chambers of Horrors match, and we've been looking forward to this for weeks. So, we're yes, yeah. And then next week, I think it's next week. Should get me calendar up. Oh yes, it's fourteenth. The fourteenth, yes. Yeah, yeah. Talking of the UTT guys, we've got a five-man booth to watch a bit of old uh, world of sport wrestling. Les Kelly against Bobby Barnes, which is absolute comedy wrestling classic. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, yeah, be on the lookout for that. It's going to be a special episode. Uh, we're we're going to be joined by Dan Robb from UTT to uh, have a look. I've never seen this man wrestle, but from everything Glenn's told us about him, I cannot wait. No, he's one of he, – probably my first favorite wrestler. As a young – you will see on Saturday why as a young lad, I used to lay on the floor rolling around, wetting myself watching him. I can't wait. It's going to be great. It is going to be fun. So, yeah, I'll be on the lookout for that, too. Um, I see the Thomas Bryce thing. I plugged all our shows. So that means there's only one thing left to do. And that's for Glenn to say goodbye. Goodbye.